Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. This is a preview of a Dynasty Daily podcast that I released for subscribers over at analyticsofdynasty.com. Uh, breaks down 16 storylines that we uh, wrote about and discussed over the summer in podcast form, revisiting now with the benefit of the 2021 season. Um, over at analyticsofdynasty.com, you can get uh, podcast throughout the off season. I do dynasty daily podcasts talking about team building strategy, players, uh, situations to look for, uh, you know, different tactics to use in trades and team building, uh, and, and how to ultimately, uh, perform better with your dynasty teams. A lot of good success stories this year from, uh, analytics of dynasty subscribers. So you can go ahead and, uh, enjoy this free preview. Go ahead over to analytics You can subscribe. You can subscribe for a month, subscribe for a year. Uh, it'll get you, um, uh, that's your best bang for your buck is to do a year-long subscription. Uh, and then the 2022 edition of the Analytics of Dynasty uh, will be released here at the end of the month as well. So you can go ahead and pre-order that at analyticsdynasty.com and uh, enjoy this podcast. Again, analyticsdynasty.com is where you can find your 2022 edition. You can find a rebuilding edition over there, rebuilding guide that I did over the uh, through the course of the year. Um, and you can go ahead and subscribe for year uh, for uh, Dynasty Daily Podcast. You, you'll get access to our trade database. We've got uh, startup drafts trickling in here as well. So all those things will be tracked over at the website and you'll have access to here as we go along. So uh, enjoy this free preview and check out analyticsofdynasty.com. Welcome to the Analytics Dynasty Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara, and I wanted to Bring this back to a piece we worked on earlier in the off season, I guess last off season and over the summer, talking about how uh, you know the questions basically that we were watching. And I think I might have done. You know, I, th- I think I wrote something on it for Football Guys over the summer. I know I did um, a podcast for it uh, as well. It's probably like June or so. So uh, here, here are the things that basically the 16 stories um so i'm going to do the afc in this edition we'll do the nfc and we'll sort of look through where they are i think there's some interesting things that when we look back on uh, i think it's fun to see some of the discussions that we had and maybe how we should reevaluate where we are and you know are we asking the right questions and you know what type of progress are we seeing on them so i think it's important uh, okay so this was clearly pre mega deal again i think i saw, i think this was june or july that i released the this um i know that was when an article went out on football guys semi-related to this and then um, i think i did podcasts like maybe like a couple weeks before that that i decided to write something in an expanded form for football guys on this topic so we're talking like june last year uh when will josh allen sign his mega deal well, Josh Allen ended up signing a six-year, $258 million contract extension, uh, had $150 million guaranteed, uh, so really good there. The The contract ends up you know, putting him in uh, a Bills uniform basically through his age 32 season. 2025 kind of becomes a, hey, you could cut him if you wanted to, or you could, um, you're probably going to want to restructure then. There's a huge cap hit at that point. So, and that becomes when some of the dead money uh, is outweighed by uh, the cap savings. So, that would be a natural point, and that's when the guaranteed money is. So, that would probably be a natural point where you see an extension or 
some movement on that contract. Again, I'm hoping it's a, another mega extension that he that he sort of plays up to it. So, uh, and again, on the back of a two quarterback one seasons, I think you're in a really good track. So, um, good for Josh Allen, good arc for him, and I think he deserves in the top deserves to be in the top three or four at the quarterback position for sure. Uh, what will the Jets passing game look like? And that was a I, I really had no idea sort of what it would look like in terms of Corey Davis. Elijah Moore was, uh, you know, a popular offseason buzz candidate. You know, we didn't know what Zach Wilson would look like. Uh, 20th in passing yards, 208.3 passing yards per game. Corey Davis ended up missing eight games. Elijah Moore led them in targets with 77 and yards with 538. It's not a great number in terms of your team leading – reception uh you know yardage is is less than 550 that's not what you want you did get a late season break out of braxton barrios uh it's actually jameson crowder that leads them in receptions with 51 and he's scheduled to be a free agent this year so i you know we talked about this in the offseason i think it's a good example like should you have had braxton barrios in there running more routes while crowder uh, instead of Crowder, like it just cut Crowder. When is Crowder going to be on the next competitive team for the Jets? He probably wasn't going to be. And so um, you get to see some opportunity with Barrios for a, a variety of other reasons, some other injuries to Davis and the like. Um, you know, maybe that would have been better off for them to do in the offseason. They would have, or, you know, earlier in the season and, and sort of given him that role and just see what he could do with it. Maybe they're further ahead now in the development of, of Barrios and Moore and, and uh, these other young guys uh, than they would have been if they had just rolled out Crowder. Uh, Denzel Mims only played in 11 games, finishing 10th in targets on the team, and it's a firm bus track for him. So he's a guy that I liked in terms of some of the metric stuff coming out, uh, but you know, we liked him in the context of being a second round pick. And there's a pretty hysterical history of second round picks going to the Jets. So we'll have to dig up that archive, but hasn't been a successful trend for them in, uh, over the past decade or so. Is two of the answer for the Miami Dolphins at quarterback? Um, and I, I don't, it's interesting. Some of these, like, there's clear answers. Some of them, there's not. This is one I, I think there's not. Uh, and it's this is I'm recording this soon after Brian Flores was uh, you know was fired, and yeah, I think you know the Mike Zimmer thing and, and Kellen Mond. We'll talk about Kellen Mond in the other episode. That was one of the questions I had about Minnesota. Uh, the Mike Zimmer thing, saying you know I don't need to see Kellen Mond and see him every day in practice. I don't need to see him in a game. Uh, like we. We kind of over, we underappreciate that. Right? We underappreciate how much we know, um, or, or I guess overappreciate you know our knowledge because we look at coaches and say, well, why wouldn't you just play this guy? Why wouldn't you do that? Well, the coach has access to to Kellen Mond. Like Brian Flores had access to Tua. He probably knew. Um, one of the projects that I want to work on this off season is, and I just like to ask a lot of people, maybe you know, some people of different backgrounds and different and different um, you know experiences, but but how much of a difference would it make, you know, in terms of uh, if you just take random subsets of people, right? If you just say, you know, hey, this person's gonna, you know, it's everything's the same, their work ethics the same, but we're just gonna adjust their speed. 
or the the every you know all their physical traits are the same but this person is going to study uh, and, and work 80 hours a week versus this person is going to work 40 versus another version is going to work 20 what is those what do those differences look like right this person's going to be on a vegan diet versus this person going to be on a vegan diet right you just have different you know th- these different things that we sort of look at um, we don't necessarily know, right? This person's going to do a lot of sleep tracking and be really good at it versus this person's not. Uh, what what do, what impacts would those sorts of things happen uh, or have? You know, and I, I think that there's different things that Miami probably knows about Tua that give them skepticism, right? And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why Brian Flores is gone, right? Maybe he was the he was probably the one that had some of the skepticism. And if you believe, you know, early on into his career and some of the, the ways his arc was handled, right, there's reasons to think that the coaching staff was probably a little bit uh, more bearish on him than the front office was. So I think when you look at all those things, like, there's a lot of information there that it isn't entirely clear. The other thing I would say about Brian, about Brian Flores is it's not entirely clear. You know, there's people that want to give him knighthood, right, and that want to crown him. Um, I'll just say he kept running out of people out of town, right? He, he went through, uh, what, three offensive coordinators and, and the time that he was there, he had dual offensive coordinators last year. Um, you know, some unorthodox things that didn't work. Um, and you question some of the management style. So I, you know, and that's something we'd said last season, right? And that's something that I think, you know, people wanted to, uh, love what Miami was doing. And I, I sort of agree with some of their tracks. Um, but I think there's a lot of reason to be skeptical of Tua at this particular point. And, uh, you know, 26th in total points, 27th in points per game from a fantasy perspective. Um, he's just over expectation in terms of passing numbers, uh, passing completion percentage as well. So um, that is, uh, you know, it's a firm incomplete there for 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 Tua. Uh, will Mac Jones start for the New England Patriots? You remember one of the things that we talked about in the offseason that I, I specifically like mentioned and I know thought a lot about was, hey, if, if Mac Jones is the is the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, we're probably in a situation where there's going to be a lot more running back production. It's going to be Damian Harris. It's going to be uh, – you know, who, we didn't necessarily know if it was going to be Sonny Michelle. You know, we figured Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, it ends up, you know, Ramondre Moore, excuse me, Ramondre Stevenson as well. Um, you know, they all become, uh, you know, that situation towards itself out where it's Harris and then it's uh, it's Stevenson. Uh, it, and and you just see a totally different offense in the, in the running game. They lead the league in non- uh, quarterback rushing touchdowns, right? So I think they might have had one receiver touchdown, like an end round or something like that. But you're you're not dependent on Cam in the way that they were. Right? You're basically second second lowest in terms of quarterback run rate in the red zone, less than five percent of the time. Damian Harris scores 15 rushing touchdowns, tied for second most in the league, and finishing t- top 20 in terms of scoring on the season. So I think this is going to be one of those ones where if we can get that situation right, and again, it might be cheap. And I think that's an interesting thing as well. Like it might be cheap because people question some of the upside of it with the lack of receiving. You know, we'll see how that ultimately boils out. Maybe Harris just isn't a good receiver. You know, we don't know that. Um, but I, I do think 
that's going to be a, a good source of production, especially with the fact that we don't have a running back competing at the goal line against a quarterback. Um, well, Baker Mayfield signed an extension with the Browns. He didn't, and now we're in a firm holding pattern. I can't imagine that they're going to lock him up in this offseason for guaranteed money. I mean, as I can't imagine that that teams and that presidents of teams and owners of teams are going to look at the Carson Wentz experience. They're going to look at the Jared Goff experience and be like, yeah, you know what? I want to do that. Maybe they do. You know, Maybe that's not how, how they're thinking. Uh, maybe they're overestimating. I mean, we've seen a lot of that as well in terms of even our own evaluations. Like we, we see, we overestimate how good our guys are. I can't imagine that you're going to get in with a ton of guaranteed money on Mayfield. You know, maybe it's something like this year and next year you're guaranteeing a, you know, or a third year. You know, you're you're, you're doing something along the lines that look a lot like the the franchise tags. Maybe that's something that would would be an extension. But other than that, like I got a hard time seeing why they would do that. I would just expect him to play out the fifth year option, and you know, he's coming off injuries and all that stuff. Just play out the fifth year option, see where we get. Um, he's basically been good every other year, and so he was down this year, and we'll see where he is at next year. Uh, my big one for Cincinnati was this Joe Burrow healthy. Uh, he tore his ACL uh, last season. He returned, finishing the top 12 of scoring uh, and leading the league in yards per attempt. He actually has reset the franchise, uh, fueling two top 24 wide receivers, including T. Higgins, who finished with wide receiver 24 finish, and Jamar Chase at wide receiver 5. So good on Burrow. Um, I question. I think he's a regression candidate next year uh, outside of uh, his volume going up. We'll see where that goes. You know, Maybe it falls somewhere in between this year and last year, and it, it's a little bit more balanced. But there's some efficiencies there that I just don't think are going to keep up. So we'll be watching that. I, I think he's good, but I'm fading like a top six price at the position. Uh, what will the Pittsburgh offense look like? This is one that I wasn't really, sh- you know, I didn't have a great sense of, uh, you know, wide receivers tend to look more like Chase Claypool than Deontay Johnson, I think in our mind's eye. Uh, but Deontay Johnson's a better wide receiver than Chase Claypool is. And one of the things that we talked about last year was, you know, Chase Claypool was, uh, producing in non-repeatable ways as a rusher, doing some gadget stuff, uh, wasn't a true outside wide receiver, and the way that he was scoring uh, really well as a rookie. You then get to a port a, uh, a point with him where you come into the season and and there's limitations for Ben. And maybe Deontay Johnson just fits Ben better at this point, but he but Claypool wasn't that productive in in college either. So that's a a trend that tends to show up a little bit more and more. And, you know, we look at, you sort of look at it through that lens and the fact that you see when, uh, when Claypool was actually productive as a rookie, it was in kind of fluky ways, rushing, I think he had two or three rushing touchdowns that really bumped up his valuation. You sort of look like that. And there's some questions there. Fire moves steps forward. You know, we'll see with Najee Harris, what he looks like um, ultimately. But, um, but I'm really intrigued here by Deonta Johnson, especially going forward. I think Najee Harris should be a top three to four player at the running back position, almost for certain this off season. Uh, When will Lamar Jackson sign an extension? He hasn't yet. And we didn't see an extension. We saw basically the worst season of his career. So I jump in passing yards per game to the highest in his career at 240.2, which you could say, all right, that's a pretty good thing. However, worst quarterback rating, worst QBR, worst adjusted yards per attempt in any of the three years he's been a starter. He's missed five games. It's really the first extended 
absence during his career, so we can sort of forgive some of that. Um, he was 15th in terms of season-long points, 7th in terms of points per game. Uh, and again, I, maybe they do a version of that Baker Mayfield thing that we were talking about. You know, that's the that's the question I would have. What are they going to do with him? Uh, and I think that, that that's something that's going to linger over our head. He needs to be a better passer, and he didn't take that step forward this year. So that's definitely a concern. All right, Houston, what is the status of Deshaun Watson? I'll say this. David Culley, they want to fire David Culley. If Houston fires David Culley, like – I don't even know if David Culley's good. I couldn't even – the amount of time that I watched Houston this year is minimal at best. Like that's a – to say I minimally watched Houston is be a generous statement. Um, you know, obviously went through their stats every week. But they could – they didn't appear to be super dysfunctional. They just didn't appear to be super good. Uh, I, I don't know what you could have expected out of them. You lose your starting quarterback. You hire a guy who, you know, I don't think was like an A-list guy. He probably wasn't even a B-list guy, for being totally honest and totally fair to him. Right? I think he's in his 60s and never had a starting, had never had a, 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 a job as a as a head coach before, um, which is you could say in one in one respect is like, hey, there's like that's kind of a sign like maybe he didn't deserve it there's other things especially with the way that he came up some special teams angles to you know his resume that you might say hey listen like those guys just don't get jobs right i think we're really bad at evaluating uh head coaches when they're hired you know i know joe judge early on people were really excited about he just got fired right like um we don't know necessarily what goes on behind the scenes like i think there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical of how Brian Flores behaves uh, when when the cameras aren't shining on him, and and that I, is confirmed a little bit by the way that this happened this week. Um, I don't. I think, and this is a, probably a lesson for the fact that we're going to see some of these movements now, and you know, people say, "Oh, look, the situation's really good." Like we don't know that, but I, I think a lot of times, and I've seen this especially with bosses. I'm sure you have as well. Sometimes the best bosses aren't the guys that are particularly good at the underlying skill, right? So, um, you know, Michael Jordan makes a shitty coach, right? Why? Because well, shooting a jump shot comes really easy to him. Right? All that stuff, it's really hard to teach that. Um, you know, in, in my job, uh, prosecutors make really terrible bosses because it's their way of the highway typically. And that's not really what a boss is, right? A boss, you, you shouldn't, a good boss shouldn't really treat people like, like that. Uh, it's a totally different skill. So, um, so it's interesting, like, I I don't know what, I couldn't tell you what David Culley's management style is, but the fact that they want to fire him, I don't know what they reasonably could have expected other than to pick in the top, where, wherever they are, top six or whatever of the draft, to be one of the worst teams in the league. Like, they actually overperformed, I think, a lot of people's expectations. So um, we'll watch that. We'll see where Watson leads. Again, I have quarterback tiers coming out when I sort of talk about him more in depth there, but I think he's, um, I think he's a, a – still an elite quarterback uh and it's really a question of when he plays so uh which Carson Wentz will we see in 2021 uh the steep decline Carson Wentz second half of the season you could look at his season and say 27 touchdowns seven interceptions wow it's actually good uh 6.9 yards per attempt that ranked 20th in the league ah negative 2.3 completion percentage over expectation ah um, you know it, it got worse too as the season went along like you could see their EPA drop per play um, as there was a graph that I saw from someone from PFF, they just did basically a per play, um, 
you know, uh, EPA and it there's just kind of fell through the floor at the end of the season and you know in terms of their passing game so a uh, big time disappointment for that I mean I listen I think it's interesting like how do you how, if you're indie how do you make quarterback better you know I talked in a prior episode about like just fix the damn problem uh, but I think that it's it's tougher to do that uh, you know I would say like I don't know if Stafford's the right answer for the Rams. Right? I don't know if ultimately he gets them where they belong, but I think that's the type of shot like you kind of want to take instead of, you know, taking the, you know, you trade the mid first for a guy like Wentz. Um, I, you know, I thought Wentz was already gone as it was. Um, you know, so so maybe I'm biased in terms of that, but I think they represent multiple different ways to try and fix a problem. I think are really interesting to study. I'd probably lean in there. Let's just do something more aggressive and get it done type situation. You know, if, if I have questions about the quarterback position, I'm not going to probably win a Super Bowl. It's probably not what's going to happen. I mean, it's possible, but probably not. And I think whatever the difference between uh, Wentz and, and Stafford was in cost, like that's probably how much more confident they felt that he could do that. So interesting there. Um, how will the Tennessee offense look in the post-Arthur Smith era? Injured. Um, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry all spent time on IR. Uh, we were really hopeful for uh, Anthony Ferkser. That didn't happen. Uh, Ryan Tannehill had one of the worst supporting casts in the league when you take out A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry. Uh, he still managed quarterback 13, finished despite the limitations. Uh, they were fourth lowest design pass rate in the league at uh 52.6%. All that's to say, I think Tannehill is actually pretty good. Um, I think it's probably an example of that it didn't necessarily, the loss of Arthur Smith didn't really cost them a ton. So um, so good performance there for, for Ryan Tannehill in a, what I think is an otherwise pretty difficult situation. Uh, hands down, failure in uh, Jacksonville with Urban Meyer started to get a grasp on the NFL game uh, and it's just their, their offense just ground to a halt um, had a you know it, I think he's going to hand off Trevor Lawrence to the next uh, quarter uh, the next coach and it's going to be a really interesting situation because you're going to get uh, Trevor Lawrence with some of the scar tissue from this year and all the stuff that, that happened. Um, but you're going to see a quarterback that – and I imagine there's still a lot of people that would want that job because they see sort of the good in him. You know, I'll be interested to look at some of the adjusted stuff after the first year, sort of how we should contextualize that. You know, listen, I tend to think if you're going to be great, you're going to be great. You're not necessarily held back by situation. You know, I think we over, we overmake excuses, especially at a position where it should be like, okay, trust but verify, right? and that's absolutely the way you should treat the quarterback position. You should verify it before you make a big investment. Um, I think that with Trevor Lawrence, that's really how I'm going to feel with this one. So, um, you know, that you lost Tra- Travis Etienne for the year. He should be back in 2022. Probably is going to beat. James Robinson back. He suffered a season-ending Achilles injury, and so we'll see what happens there. Um, Trevor Lawrence, more interceptions, 17 than touchdowns. Not great there um, in terms of his his performance on the season. But again, I kind of put that a little bit on him and not just on their 
their uh, Mr. McFeely there, uh, their head coach. Uh, can Clyde Edwards-Lair take a step forward in the Kansas City offense? Uh, he disappointed. And, yeah, I put out on Twitter this week, and I was just – um, I'm working on a project for some running back stuff, and um, and I just said, you know, what's the – I just wanted to see some of the stats, and so I was just, like, sort of rumbling through it. I was like, man, there's a lot more receptions for Josh Jacobs than Antonio Gibson. And so I put out, like, you know, what – basically, if you pick the two of them, who would you take? Um, and I figured Gibson would win. And then there was comments, like, people like, oh, I'm so disappointed in Josh Jacobs as being, like, the 101, that class. What a disappointment. I was like, you got two top 12 seasonal finishes, and the next year you drafted Clyde Edwards-Lair at one. Like, we forget, like, we, like, would I have rather had Christian McCaffrey? Of course. But, like, what, I I don't know what more you want other than, like, uh, yeah, you get a, you get a starter season as a rookie. You get two top 12 finishes in a row. Um, we're three years into a rookie deal and he's got three hits, right? Yeah. I mean, they contextualize that Josh Jacobs deal against Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Clyde Edwards, Alaire finishes running back 44 in 10 games. He averaged 12.2 points per game. That's good for 29th at the position. He's getting outplayed by Darren, uh, Daryl Williams, uh, on a per game basis. Edwards, Alaire averaged 51.7, uh, points per game again it's only 10 games he had and Daryl Williams had twice the production the receiving production uh that uh then Edwards Alaire so when you look at all that uh it's a really interesting you know that's on a per game basis too so that that receiving production uh it's it's scary uh the Clyde Edwards Alaire angle um, do I treat him like he's in a multi-year de- multi-year window? Probably not. Um, that's that's really the thing with him. Like I probably don't trust that a ton. Uh, you know, I'm I'm stashing my Daryl Williams shares. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see where Clyde Edwards-Helaire falls in cost because, like, if he's going to be available outside the top twenty, like I think he should be scooping up those shares. But if he's going to be in the teens, like. There's going to be a lot of other options that I think are there. And even in the early 20s, there might be options there that I think could make a bigger difference. Like, you know, I should want to bet Clyde Edwards-Alaire over A.J. Dillon. But at the same time, I don't know with what we know so far in his career. I don't know if Clyde Edwards-Alaire sort of has enough – uh, in his arsenal to sort of make a big difference where we kind of know that AJ Dillon can. Right. Um, and again, I, I just, I think that's a really interesting comp. So, and it, when you just look at contextual prices, right, just remember like if you can hit three doubles uh, from one one, like you're well ahead, right. You're on track for a batting championship. Uh, and you, all you need is Clyde Edwards to show you that. Who's the starting quarterback for the Broncos? Well, and heading into 2022, I hope it's not any of the guys that started for him this year. That's Bridgewater and Locke. 14 games for Bridgewater. He threw for 218 yards per game and 18 touchdowns total. That's not going to win much of anything. Locke started the final three games of the season, averaging 187 passing yards per game while only throwing one touchdown. Uh, they rank 19th in passing yards on the season uh, and seem like a, a team that could really compete if they have another quarterback option that's better than uh, either Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. 
Uh, what is the role of the of Kenny Drake in the Vegas offense? That was a big question in terms of uh, capping Jacobs's upside. Jacobs went on to uh, finish fifth at the position in receptions, a running back 12 finish despite uh, the, a career worst in rushing yards at 872. Uh, Drake's guaranteed basically to be back in 2022 contractually. Uh, they could save $2.5 million cutting him, but he's guaranteed $5.5 million in actual salary. So we'll see sort of how that works out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think Jacobs – Jacobs has a little of that four net in him that, hey, listen, in different years we've seen it. Like different years we've seen all right, he can rush and ring, you know, up 15 plus touchdowns. And then in a different year, like there's a lot of reasons that he disappoints in that aspect. Not entirely his fault. Some of them probably his fault. Um, but ultimately he goes and, um, and performs really well on a receiving basis. So, again, he has multiple outs. I think that's a really interesting profile when you ultimately look at it all right last for this afc uh edition of this podcast uh in july i actually wrote if healthy eckler has running back one overall finish in his range of outcomes he missed a running back one finish in points per game with 21.6 behind jonathan taylor's 22.2 so uh, 0.6 points per game difference there. Eckler played one less game than Taylor did, so we didn't really sniff him in total points per game. Uh, but when you look at his per game uh, or total points for the season, he, he didn't really sniff him. But in terms of uh, points per game, you know, on, a, on a adjusted for how many games they played, uh, really close. And I think that's a like, – this is the second top four seasonal finish. Um, he's behind only Najee Harris uh, in reception total. He's up there uh, as amongst the the league leaders in in receptions per game as well. So, um, really interesting there for Eckler. I think he's a. Uh, I think he's he's one contractually. I'm really interested in what happens because um, I think he's probably due for some money. And we'll see sort of what they do with him. He, he's probably the best running back contract that a team has signed in maybe the last decade. It might even be more than that. Like his contract has been really, really good. They signed him for, I think it was four years, $24 million, And he's definitely earned that. And probably been one of the only guys that's actually done that at the, at the uh, running back position in recent years. All right, well, that'll do it for your 16 questions from the AFC. Until next time, continue embracing the variants, and we will talk again very soon.